Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and this is our program about spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Do you have a favorite meal? What is it? If, if you could choose that one thing, your all-time number one favorite thing to eat, what would it be? I have a friend who calls it your death row meal, you know, if you had to choose that last meal. In my house, if it's your birthday... You get to choose what you want to eat for dinner that night. So I actually prefer to call it the birthday meal. But whatever you call it, you know, whatever that that is, it's your favorite food. I love to cook. So part of the fun of eating is preparing the food as well. You know, getting that sauce or a gravy to the perfect consistency, cooking some sort of meat to where it's just tender and succulent, blending flavors that complement each other. You know, we live in this world where we have all these different cooking shows because we all have to eat. And most of us, we want to eat things that taste good. And while it's fun to indulge once in a while, there are plenty of people who don't get to indulge in their, that favorite meal. People who don't have enough money to splurge on some sort of special dinner. Maybe they don't even have enough money for their next meal. You know, there's a real fear of going hungry. I know from me growing up in the 80s, the image that we saw of starvation, it was the famine that was taking place in Ethiopia. Millions of Africans were going without food there. Um, it's estimated somewhere over a million people possibly died from that in Ethiopia. That's not including other surrounding countries, but somewhere like 1.2 is the estimate of people who died. And then, of course, there's other millions of people who were displaced, who you know had other impacts because of that. In the U.S. and Great Britain, we also saw because of this things like the Live Aid concert, which was very famous, bringing awareness and helping to raise relief funds for those suffering in Ethiopia. And for most of my childhood, this was that image I had of starvation, of people who didn't have enough to eat. It was someone halfway across the world. They were on a different continent. They spoke a different language. That was how I saw poverty. I didn't realize that there were people going hungry in my immediate community. Yeah, maybe there were homeless people in big cities in the U.S., but not that I saw in my neighborhood. But, of course, that's not reality. Reality is, in all 50 states here in the U.S., there are people who don't know where they're going to get their next meal. This is something that's called food insecurity. And according to the USDA in their report on the year 2020, more than 10% of all households in the U.S. experienced food insecurity 
during the year. For some of those homes, it might have only been at select times. Other homes, other individuals, it was daily. Not having enough money or other resources for food. If you look at households that include children in them, then that percentage goes up from 10% to almost 15% of homes that deal with food insecurity. This means that on average in the U.S., about one in seven children face food insecurity at some point during the year. So if there's a classroom, I mean, think about this. If there's a classroom of school children and that class has 28 kids, four of those children fall into this category. Have you ever been in that situation, worried about having enough to eat? Or maybe you're like me, where your life has been really quite food secure. You've had the security of not going hungry, not dealing with that fear, that stress, that worry of whether you'll have enough to eat. So sometimes when I get caught up in trivial things, things that won't really matter all that much in the long run, it's good for me to stop and think about things like this. But it's not something to just think about theoretically. When I think about seven children and one of those seven might be going to bed hungry tonight, then I have to ask myself, what can I do to help? What about you? How do you help? What are you doing to help those in need in your community? If you live in a large metro, then you might see the homeless, the less fortunate, more often in certain areas of your community. But even if you live in a smaller town and it's not as obvious or as visible, you still have people living close by who are struggling to pay bills or to buy groceries. There's plenty of opportunity to help right where you are. And this is what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. We want to talk about the virtue of charity, how we're called to help Christ through those in need that we see around us. And joining us is our spiritual director for the hour, Father John McDonald is back with us once again. Father McDonald is a priest at the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama. He's the pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic Church in Anniston, Alabama. Father McDonald, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here today. Well, thank you, Josh. It's wonderful to be here. Well, and, you know, this is one of those topics where uh, I think if you haven't had that moment in your life where there's been, you know, we've had to go without, and, and, and that can vary for different people. You know, it can be this, uh, well, going without meant you had to kind of eat on the cheap, but you might not have had that food insecurity in the way that some families have. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I presume you're probably somewhere close to my age. Did you have that experience of growing up and seeing those images of the, the famine in the 80s and, and seemed like, well, the people we need to help aren't necessarily here in our community. It seems like they're kind of around the world on the other side of the globe. No, that's absolutely right. I'm, you know, we're close in age, and, and those same things were on television all the time, and, you know, people raising money to um, to help in those communities. And, of course, here in Alabama, you know, we as Catholics are, are a minority in the Christian population. And um, one of the things my parents certainly always kind of said to me growing up, and it was a, a kind of an important uh, influence that they left, my parents always talked about the fact that they felt like a lot of our 
separated brothers and sisters were really focused on that level of poverty somewhere else. But, of course, here in rural Alabama, we had a lot of poverty absolutely next door or across the street in our own communities. And sometimes the same Christian communities just simply weren't interested in in helping the people across the street. It was sometimes easier to imagine something far away than something right in the midst. Well, why do you why do you think that is? Why is it? And I I know at times I fall into that same category. It's easier to think about. Well, yeah, I can I can send a donation and help somebody in a third world country, rather than actively looking how, at how I can help in my own immediate community. Well, helping in our own community is hard, but it's but it's the kind of hard that is. That, that a Christian is supposed to embrace. It's that kind of hard and difficult thing that forces us to look within. And I think that's the thing. Um, you know, anonymous people, um, you know, somehow in our minds are easiest to help because we don't find fault with them so easily. But when you see your neighbor um, who's in the grocery store and maybe you think, well, I know they're poor, but why are they buying a birthday cake today or something like that. You think, well, maybe they should forego that. You know, we make all these judgments in our mind about our neighbor because we know them. You know, often we have contempt for people close to us. But our Savior, that's what he's trying to teach us, is what it what it takes to build a community and the solidarity in our own community that is needed to reach out and help the poor uh, in a wonderful way. I always reflect on the fact that when the Lord sent his disciples out, you know, he sent them out with nothing, you know, no, no bag, no, no extra change of clothes, no, no, no junk to take with them. And I often reflect on the fact that he didn't mean for them to go too far at once. He wanted them to be able just to go to the next house and start the mission there, encountering the people as they were. So I think that it's a hard mission, but one we've got to engage. Well, and maybe we can talk about, you know, what you're saying there, that contempt that is easy to find rearing its head when it's somebody that we know, somebody that, you know, lives there in our own neighborhood, our own community. And maybe we can look at the word charity. You know, typically when we use this word, we're talking about providing that financial or that material assistance to someone in need. You know, I, I, I put my spare change in the Salvation Army red bucket outside the store, you know, around Christmas time. Uh, I'm donating my gently used items to a St. Vincent de Paul or a Goodwill or, a, or you know, some other thrift store. Uh, you know, send my donations to Catholic charities to help those who don't have as much. But that word charity really comes from the word love for us as Christians, can you help us maybe have a better understanding of what we mean every time we we use that word charity and how that should influence? You know, it, it should it should have the opposite effect of the contempt that you were talking about. That's so easy to find ourselves falling into for those that we're helping. Uh, what does charity really call from us? Well, I've always understood charity is just loving for love's sake. You don't look for anything in return. And, um, you know, sometimes we actually want to do good things for other people, sometimes with the motive of trying to change that person's will, even to change their behaviors. You know, sometimes we use uh, gift giving as a, 
a way to motivate people to do something differently. And, and those aren't always the highest motivations. Maybe we do have a good in mind. But again, if we understand charity, and certainly the way that our Lord loves us, to love us simply for love's sake, then that means it, it puts a whole nother light on how we reach out to do things for those who have needs. Well, you know, as you're talking about this, you know, for those who have needs, um, one of the parables that comes to mind is Jesus talking about Lazarus and the rich man. And Lazarus, he ends up being there um, <clears throat> covered in sores. Uh, you know, he's he's in this really horrible situation, and the rich man doesn't really even take notice of him. Um, what's what's the danger that we can possibly fall into there where it's not even contempt, but it's just ignorance or ignoring the people around us? Well, and also, too, I think that that, that particular piece of Scripture, uh, you know, the, the, the point there that I think is really touching is the fact that we have the name of the poor man, but we don't have the name of the rich man. Right. I mean, he's called Dives in our tradition. But at the same time, the scriptures don't give us his name, and a name is a sacred thing. So the fact that um, that the name is known to God is important, and I think that um, one of the problems here is that you know we are ignorant of poverty sometimes because we just don't understand what poverty is actually in the context of our modern American society. You know, poverty comes in many different ways and fashions and expressions. And you cannot understand poverty either, too, if you don't understand it in context of what people consider to be their wealth or their riches. Because that particular piece of Scripture teaches us that that man, was he was maybe uh, wealthy, but he certainly wasn't rich in the good things of God. You know, um, He actually, at the end of the day, he had fewer options than Lazarus. And poverty, really, at the end of the day, is not having any options, you know. Um, but Christ gives us every option. So I think that's a, another way to kind of understand it in context of the way we live our lives every day in this country. Well, you mentioned the word solidarity earlier in the hour, and uh, the the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it has this section that's devoted to love for the poor, and it begins in paragraph mm -hmm. 2443. But one thing, before even diving into what it says in that section of the Catechism, the one thing that at least grabbed my attention, it's not what's written there, it's rather that it's a subsection for one of the Ten Commandments, the Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. Mm -hmm. So if we are not helping those in need... Does this really mean that we are, in a way, stealing from our fellow man, our fellow woman, our, you know, that, that we really, it, I, I guess it, it would be one of those sins of omission. By not helping mm -hmm. them, we're falling guilty of stealing by not helping. Well, that's what St. John Chrysostom says in one of his famous homilies. You know, he preached to the people and told them that if they had a cloak moldering in their closet, they had stolen it from a naked person, you know, and, and, and then with that logic, he, he, he preached to the people, you know.
Hey, Nick, did we just lose Father McDonald there? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and throw up in the phone number. Oh, Father, are you you back there? Yes, I'm sorry. Did did you lose me? I did for just a moment here. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. You you had made—last thing we heard was St. John Chrysostom. He talked, if you have that coat that's just sitting there in your closet, you're not using it. Um, And then he preached Mm -hmm. on that, used that as an example of how— you know, that is theft from the poor. So, yeah, please continue. No, and, and and we have another phenomenon nowadays that we deal with, and many people struggle with this. It's a true problem for many people, which is hoarding, you know. Um, they, they feel more comfortable with these possessions, but they could never use them, and a lot of times they never see them, and they can't touch them, can't get to them. And in the country, too, is a proliferation of, of storage facilities where people put things that they never look at and don't use and don't touch often. Um, And so we have all these things, but at the end of the day, where do they bring us? How have they helped us in our Christian journey? Um, I think that's an important consideration, too, in terms of how our possessions are helping us build the communion that Christ wants us to live. Well, and, and you know, it's you're kind of speaking of a theme that gets brought up so much here on this program. I mean, it's it's common as we look at anything dealing with the interior life, but that's, you know, the attachments that we have. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you're talking about the hoarding or, you know, the collecting of all of these different items, things that we really don't have any regular use for, we're just clinging on to these attachments rather than detaching from those things so that we can be more united with Christ. Um, I, I, old parish that I went to, the pastor there, he made a comment one time, and I've always thought, oh, I, I need to remember to try and do this on January 1st and, and keep it up. But he made this comment. He said, give one thing away every single day for a year, and even at the end of the year, you'll still have more than you began with. Um, you know, just because we're always seeming to get things that are, you know, either we're purchasing them, somebody gives it to us, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, that that attitude of being able to give things away. And I would watch him do this. He would he'd receive a gift. He would then regift it. You know, he'd be very appreciative for the generosity of whoever gave him a mm-hmm. gift. But he'd turn around and give it to somebody he thought might be able to use that, you know, better or, you know, they had more need of whatever it was that was given to him. So it was something that I I really witnessed in. It wasn't just words. It was being lived out by him. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that we've had a lot of discussion in our parish here, too, is with the with the youth group, um, making sure that our young people, particularly those in confirmation age, that they in our community have a real experience of the realities of other people, you know, um, that they are able to see and experience some of the the effects of poverty in our own community. And having those experiences sometimes, uh, and some of our young people live those daily, uh, and being able to share them with their peers too, uh, you know, that's, that's, that makes a connection between people. And, and ultimately, I think solidarity is born out of that connection between people. You know, when we began this conversation, we talked about how easy it is to help the anonymous poor. But at the same time, you know, we we work in the church to make it easier to help the poor right in front of us. 
people that are suffering from having no options in a certain area. Uh, but we in this country, we seem to be very good at hiding from those realities sometimes, or at least uh, we have a lot of screens that are helpful for us to put up uh, to keep us from actually experiencing those in our daily lives. You know, I guess that we find our, our society often really segmented, but when we break through and we end up in the midst of those communities, um, then, then it's hard not to respond. And, and, and it puts a lot of things in perspective for us. I feel like in North America, a real problem in our relationship to poverty has to do with isolation. You know, how we often uh, find ourselves living in isolation through different means, you know. Um, but it's our church community, ultimately, that helps us break free of that isolation sometimes. Well, let, let's pick up on that. I, I'd like to, yeah, hear more uh, of what you mean on that isolation. But want to throw out the phone number here too, and open up the phones for anybody listening. If you are listening, how do you help those in need in your community? What are some ways, maybe even just simple things that you've been able to do to give or to help uh, to those who don't have much, or maybe someone helped you when you were in that time of need, and how. Did you experience God's love in receiving that help when you needed it? Our phone number here is 888 Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, more with Father John McDonald coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm speaking with Father John McDonald today. Father McDonald is a priest in the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama. He's the pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus Catholic Church in Anniston, Alabama, today talking about how we can help those in need in our communities. And how have you done that? What are some ways that you've been able to help those who are a little less fortunate than yourself? Or maybe you've been the one on the receiving end. You're the one who has been helped. And how have you seen the love of Christ through those that did help you? We'd love to hear your story. You can call in and share at 888-914-9149, Maybe there's a situation where you want to help. Uh, you've got some questions. You know, there's circumstances that are a little difficult for you to be able to offer the help you want to. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father McDonald. Again, the phone number, 888 888- Nine one four nine one four nine, Father. Right before the break, you said that you think isolation really goes hand in hand with a misunderstanding of what poverty is, especially in our contemporary society. Can you maybe unpack that a little bit more for us? Why does isolation uh, lead, or maybe, I guess? Um, not necessarily even lead into, but help just, I guess, foster this misunderstanding or this misconception of poverty? 
Well, I think that, you know, one of the uh, ways that we live out charity is to share in the life of the other. Um, if we always keep the other at an arm's length and say, oh, well, you know, here's what I can, here's what I can give you, but please stay away, um, then we don't really share. Um, we're not really willing to uh, give any part of ourself um, to the other. And, of course, that is, that's not in the image of our Lord who gave us and gives us his body, blood, soul, and divinity to take us from our poverty you know, to to bring us up from our abject poverty and to lead us and have every option, you know, in him. So I think that, and, and I guess a clear way I'd like to describe that is, you know, in a lot of wealthier neighborhoods where we live in this country, one of the things that you find is there are no sidewalks. Um, and um, a lot of suburbs simply don't have sidewalks. And of course, you know, we've learned that one of the reasons why there are no sidewalks is because the people who live in those areas don't want people who don't have cars walking into their neighborhood um, because that it makes it difficult to to come to and it makes it difficult to encounter um, the other. You know, if you don't even have something as basic as a sidewalk in your neighborhood. Um, in, in, in many other ways, too, we, we in, in all societies. Immediately, when a person gains a certain amount of material wealth, they feel the need to put up barriers. Um, you know, and maybe some of those you put up with good sense for human protection because, you know, there, there are certainly risks there. But at the same time, we have to analyze those barriers and understand them. And are we creating them to keep ourselves separated or are we creating them you know, sometimes to have a healthy um, relationship, uh, they're not always healthy barriers. Um, when when we realize that we've never really encountered anyone face-to-face who has a true need. Years ago, when I was principal of our Catholic high school in Birmingham, you know, the, the students, in order to graduate, had to do service hours. And when I came, when I became the principal there, I discovered that a lot of the service hours that the young people were doing were sort of in sort of ancillary things. They, um, they were sort of, you know, maybe packing boxes somewhere or working to hose out kennels for the um, Humane Society or things like this. And in discussion with our leadership team, you know, we came to the decision that service hours for young Catholic people and students in Catholic schools needed to be in direct contact with people who were experiencing, um, you know, uh, underprivileged uh, circumstances in their lives, to have that direct contact so that they wouldn't be isolated from the realities of their world and could learn thereby and develop the ways to move forward in their life, to always reach out and to be able to share part of their life with someone who has a need. As you're talking about that sharing part of their life with somebody who has that need, it brings to mind the word compassion, you know, and we talk about having compassion, but the roots that make up that passion really, it it, it means suffering. And then the COM at the beginning to walk alongside or to share in that suffering. 
we are a society that does not want to suffer, that does not like, and understandably so, right? I mean, suffering is not fun. It's not enjoyable. Um, If we can avoid it, I I know I'm in that same exact camp. If I don't have to suffer, I I don't want to seek it out. But that also then I think allows us to, you know, kind of following up on what you're saying, that isolation. If I don't have to suffer with somebody else, it's easier for me to just kind of turn a blind eye, not acknowledge that they are going through some true suffering. So I don't have to suffer along with them or have that compassion, that that suffering along with them. Uh, and that that then robs our society. It robs us of the ability then to be able to share in that suffering. But the other side of that is when you're able to make it through that suffering, so often there's more joy because you've gone through the suffering, and we rob ourselves of that as well. Mm-hmm. well you know, one, one lesson I learned years ago in the seminary, in the summer of 2004, I was sent to teach English as a second language in Ukraine in western Ukraine. And, um, you know, those, that was years ago, and so they were uh, developing as a nation really shortly after their independence. And so um, there was a, a conversation class we had in the afternoon, and I was teaching, and they served us, you know, some kind of tea to drink along with our conversation, but there wasn't a cookie or anything, no, no snack. And so I felt like when I'm drinking this tea, I would just love to have a snack, but they weren't providing that in the school that we were in. So one day I was able to get to this kiosk, and I bought one of those kind of candy bars that had wafers in it. And um, and I bought that, and I was real proud of myself because I would have my snack the next day for the tea time. And so that we came around to that, and um, you know we were talking, and they poured the tea. I opened up my candy bar. And, uh, and I noticed that my whole class was just looking at me intently. And, uh, and then when I opened it up, they all said in Ukrainian, smachnoho, which is enjoy, you know. And then I realized then I needed to break up my candy bar in 15 little pieces and pass it all around. Um, as an American, you know, we don't think twice about eating something in front of somebody. But in a place where people have experienced systemic and endemic poverty, you don't know that your neighbor might not be starving in front of yeah. you. And if you sit there and stuff your face full of something, you're torturing that person. And, yeah. and so that was a very real image for me. But, um, but, but we do that in so many other ways. You know, do we think about what it is that we're enjoying, even sometimes in front of our neighbor, something that they can enjoy or haven't enjoyed or are desiring, and we just, happily sail along with our own pleasures and never think about um, the the needs of those around us, you know, because we're just enjoying something for ourselves. You know, I'm also thinking of the parable that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. And, you know, again, not not to be isolated, not to be removed or ignorant or turn a blind eye to what is happening right there in front of us. Uh, when Jesus tells that parable, it, you know, the, the Samaritan, he personally helps the immediate need. It says that he poured oil and wine over the wounds of the, the wounded individual, bandaged 
his wounds. He lifted him up on his own animal. He took him to an inn. He cared for him. The Samaritan didn't go into town and simply give a donation to an organization that cared for victims of theft and assault. You know, he saw the need. He did something about it right then and there. And this is not – I'm not by this saying that our charitable donations are not important. They are, of course. But I I think we shouldn't only make a donation and then consider our work done. You know, um, if if we see someone in need, if we're there, we need to act in the moment to care for that individual. You know, one of the most beautiful things I think about Catholicism is that Catholicism is very seldom ever either or. It's almost always both and. So, you know, we we can give charitable donations to things, you know, uh, the Catholic Relief Services, you know, Catholic Near East World Association, whatever it is, our, even our diocesan, you know, the uh, the Bishop's Appeal every year. Those are all important things. But then also we can do what we can at our local level in our personal lives. And, and you know, even, you know, I think a lot, too, about the our, our pro-life work, you know, all the things, all the different ways that we do that. Those are those are really immediate things. You know, people that have Im- immediate needs, things that threaten human dignity right here and right now. And maybe what they need is simply us to pay attention to them. And um and, you know, and help them along the way in whatever it is that they're facing and encountering. Our spiritual director is Father John McDonald here on The Inner Life today, and we are talking about how we can help those in need that are in our immediate community, how we, uh, you know, of course we can make those donations that help people in other areas of the world, other areas of even our nation, but in your own community, how do you help those in need? What are some ways... Could be very, very simple things, but what are some ways you've been able to give to those who don't have very much? Maybe you've been the one who has received that help, that assistance. Uh, you were the one in need. How did you encounter Christ through that help? How did that help you realize God's love, God's care for you through the work of somebody else. Our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father Maggie is calling in from Oak Brook, Illinois. She's uh, listening here to us. Maggie, welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have you on the air. Hello. Hi, Father. Um, I love the point that you made about the um, being seeing this eye-to-eye in person with service hours. My kids went to um, Catholic high schools, and yes, they had to do that. And I wasn't willing to sit back and just let them pack a box or do something. I I took them to the city, and I let them see, you know, what true poverty was and the big lessons that they learned from that. And um, one day I was angry with my son because he didn't have his new gloves, hat, and scarf that I had just bought him. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, I, I gave it to a boy last night at the soup kitchen that was living in the car with his pop. And um, I went and I told my grandson that story recently, and he just can't get that out of his mind. So my grandson keeps holding me, handing me toys and saying, can you give this to the boy who's living in the car with mm-hmm. his father? He thinks he's still there. But, <laughs> but um, it was a very powerful thing that I wouldn't change, and we did it all four years, and I recruited a few other students to go along. And I also had my children collect clothing, even though it wasn't a clothing drive. We just had so much that I would say, you know, pick something and, you know, or a few things, and we're going to take it down. But one day I told my son to go 
ask some of the boys there for next, you know, or kids when we come back in December, what would you like for Christmas? And he was so humbled, he came back with tears and said, this boy just wants clean underwear and socks, Mom. You know, mm-hmm. so it was. It, it's a very powerful lesson if it can be done, and you know, in person like that. Well, Maggie, I think that's right. And when I was principal and even in his parish priest, you know, a lot of times parents will come to you and, and they're having a behavior problem, particularly with an adolescent. Um, you know, some acting out is going on and they want they want some advice on what to do. And the universal piece of advice that I always give is here in our diocese, we have several Catholic centers of concern. And in particular in Birmingham, there's one that's run by the Consolata sisters and um and i always say pack them up in the car and and take them to the sisters and let them sit there and work with those nuns uh day in and day out and see who comes in there and a lot of times these behavioral problems will sort of uh you know not always but many times that experience will help a young person particularly who's grown up in a privileged fashion to get their act together and uh, understand things in a different context Um, because a lot of times there's frustrations in people's lives because they really, they have goodness in them and they want to do things, but they don't have a way to contact or a way to plug in. And when we're able to especially help our young people plug in to those, it also, it just gives such life to the faith and everything we've taught them in in catechesis. Um, It takes it out of the brain and puts it in the heart. And I think those are priceless moments. Maggie, thanks for calling in. Uh, really glad to have you as part of the conversation today. Again, our phone number here to call into the studio and speak with Father John McDonald, 888 Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue our conversation about how we can serve the poor in our communities coming up here next on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, speaking with Father John McDonald, a priest in the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama. Our studio line, if you'd like to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149. Talking about how we can help those in need, how we can live lives of service, of generosity, of charity, of compassion towards those uh, who are living in poverty, just directly in our own communities, of course, all throughout the world, but uh, especially those immediately there in our own neighborhoods. 888-914-9149. Father, following up on what Maggie was talking about, you know, she said with her kids going there um, to volunteer at a food pantry, great great way to get involved. And, you know, I was thinking there are plenty of us, especially, uh, you know, my wife and I, when we were first starting out, you just don't have nearly as much expendable income. And if you don't have money to help others in need, volunteering is a great way to be able to still live out that generosity and that charity. Uh, Any other recommendations, just maybe some practical ways that someone might be able to help if they don't have maybe the financial wherewithal to make donations? 
You know, the most precious thing we have is Catholics, is presence, his divine presence in our midst. And so what we take from our Holy Communion is that we're supposed to be present to him. And, and of course, Christ comes to us in the guise of the poor, you know, um, to my way of thinking. All, almost all of our efforts to reach out start with showing up. And not just at events that are, you know, specifically for some sort of impoverished group or some needy uh, group. We have to always show up. We have to come to Mass and be there and be present. We have to come to things. Um, we have to come to our fellowship nights in our church and participate and for men participate in the Knights of Columbus and for uh, ladies to participate in the in the in the guilds and the other things one of the things that we suffer from in our faith communities is people who don't have they say they're too busy or they don't have time but this is a precious precious thing to give everyone can give some time um, uh, you know and and show up to stuff and come to things that's how we have encounters, and that's how we build our community. It's how we build solidarity. It's how we are not alone. Um, these are these are to my way of thinking. Just show up, and and then let things happen. You know, as you're saying this too, it makes me think that. Um one of the things that I, I mentioned time and time again, when we're talking about the practical application of certain, you know, how we live out certain areas in our lives, uh, you know, this that we're talking about right now, service to the poor, living out these charitable, these uh, uh, corporal works of mercy, um, that if it's not grounded in prayer, if it's not grounded in our time spent there communing with Christ in the Eucharist, we're really just doing it for ourselves. And uh, so often we get into the conversations and I just take it as a for granted kind of, you know, expectation or understanding. But um, yeah, you know, as you're talking about just showing up, there's also that make sure you have the time spent in prayer. And, you know, if you're saying that you're too busy, well, What's what's too busy? You know, how how many hours are you watching television or are you spending on social media or, you know, things? And of course, we all need time to unwind and decompress. But, you know, are, are you are you using the I'm too busy line as more of an excuse or are you genuinely too busy? You know, I, I mean, that that's I, I think that's a very real question we have to ask ourselves because we can we can say we're busy, but boy, you know, when that big game is on television, I sure I certainly make time to watch that. Or you know, when my favorite show is on or that new season has been released to stream, well, I can make time to binge watch that over the next weekend. You know, there's those opportunities where. I will make it a priority, and I seem to have time for the things I want. I'm not really as busy as, as I'm making out. You know, we had a wonderful priest in this diocese, God rest his immortal soul, and he um, was a he was a very busy man. He was involved in many apostolates. He had many responsibilities, and you know, and you would pass his office or whatever, and you would see him working, truly working. And you look in and you want to talk to him because he was a wonderful, inviting, warm person. But we always, you know, people would pass and they would feel 
embarrassed to disturb him. But, you know, every now and then people would lean in and they'd say, you know, Father, I know you're busy, can I, but can I talk to you for a minute? And this man would always say, I'm never busy, just momentarily occupied. Come on in and sit down. Sure, we've all got things that occupy can occupy our time. But, again, making space for people in their needs is charity. It's a gift, a gift of time, a gift of your person, a gift of your being, you know, um, rather than making a calculation about what I can uh, handle in this moment. Our Lord is never outdone in generosity. And so, like you say, it begins it begins in our relationship to him. And, um, uh, you know, one thing I noticed, too, you know, a, lot of, a lot of us want to do a deal with the Lord. You know, we're we're making calculations. We're forever calculating. But that's one thing that's not in the nature of God. You know, he doesn't calculate because everything is his to begin with. You know, the the Lord isn't calculating. He's not balancing the checkbook. Everything is his. And so yeah. that's, you know, the source of his generosity. And he wants us to, you know, we certainly we have to be aware and, and be astute. Um, in our lives. But at the same time, when we spend too much time calculating, we end up doing nothing. Mm. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. Adele is listening in California. And Adele, glad to have you here on The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father McDonald. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I get a lot of letters from a lot of organizations, and they all are talking about uh, feeding the children and all of this, um, and I do donate money every month. I have the ones that I know because I've been donating to them for for years. Them I send money. All these new organizations, uh, I don't send them anything because there are so many scams about people requesting money. And uh, who is this money going to? And then sometimes you read uh, what the percentage is that goes to the actual people and how much actually goes to the people running the organization. So it's very difficult uh, to decide. uh, And I throw all the new ones away. I don't... Excuse me. I don't send them anything. Just the ones. Southern Missions, I know, is one of them. I think they help in Alabama. Anyway, there are certain ones that I send to, and all these new ones, I I just don't have any faith that they're really helping people. Well, Adele, you know, that's that's a really good concern there, too, Father, that she brings up. You know, how do you discern? And also, I guess not even from a or not only from a standpoint of which charities, which, you know, uh, nonprofits, which different uh, apostolates are worthy of our support. But then you can't support all of them. So how, how would you suggest somebody discerns which ones they should support knowing that they can't support all of them you know is it just what where where our heart kind of lies well i really feel for this certain 
uh, ministry. So I'm going to give my donation there. Are there any other kind of guidelines you might use in helping to figure out where we make those charitable donations? Well, I certainly think that the human connection is important, you know, to pay attention to where your heart is drawn. That's always important. And Adele is experiencing something that many of us experience. Um, But I do remember what the Lord said when he sent out his disciples. He said, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, so you must be as innocent as the dove, but as astute as the serpent. And um, that means we have to ask some questions. And it's fine to ask a few questions. In fact, it's charitable to ask a few questions. Um, But sometimes we're embarrassed to ask those questions. you know, one of the one in the in the interval that you had a couple of intervals ago, there was a they spoke about the little sisters of the poor, right? And we have the little sisters of the poor in Mobile. They've been there at the Sacred Heart Home for forever and doing the most wonderful work you could ever imagine. You know, um, and it always occurs to me that the best indicator of future actions is past actions. So when we know that there are people doing good, it's important to support them. And then, of course, we can take some risks in a, you know, in a controlled fashion. If someone new comes and it's a ministry or, or something that people, we can take a risk in a, in a limited way and then look and see what the actions are going to be. How, how does that, you know, follow up on it and see how did that work out? Um, how is that ministry flourishing? Is there, is it really working the way that they say that it works? You know, um, uh, so I think that, you know, it, it, there's a balance there, but there's certainly a discernment, always, always. Father, we're down to about 30 seconds left here in the hour. There's so much more we could talk about. Maybe, uh, you know, any uh, saints that you might point us to that might help inspire us uh, in our service to the poor? I have a big devotion to St. Martin de Porres and to St. Zita. Both of them, in different moments in human history, lived in fragmented, and uh, terrible societal conditions where there was a lot of poverty. But both of them, through their experience of Christ and Holy Communion, were able to help the poor and draw people together to praise God and to realize that he is truly at work in the world. So I think St. Martin de Porres and St. Zita, in their humble ways, really gave a lot of dignity to those who uh, had needs in those moments. Beautiful. Well, Father McDonald, thank you so much for being with us here for the hour again. Uh, Before we do wrap up, could I ask you in the last 15 seconds here to offer a blessing for our listeners? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, you were born in a stable. Help us to remember the poverty that you took upon yourself in order to bring us salvation. We ask you to bless all of the listeners today and help them to have charity always in their hearts that we might never forget you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thanks again, Father McDonald. Thank you for listening and being a part of The Inner Life. If you joined us late and you'd like to go back and hear the entire hour, the podcast will be posted shortly at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. Mass starts right now here on Relevant Radio.